As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Ted Wynn. Deshaun has elected to join us for the podcast, um, turning down the Raiders' offer to join the linebacker core. Um, was, this, was it a practice squad offer? I mean, he asked if you had any snaps left. So was, it, was that a practice squad offer with a, a guaranteed game day elevation, or was it active roster? I mean, if, if it's practice squad, I can see turned down. But, man, if that's active roster, I think you got to take it. Yeah, you know, their numbers are kind of tight right now. You know, they're, they're waiting, activate Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro from, from IR. So it was, it was a practice squad spot. You know, they're going to wait, wait until game day, see if they get me on active roster. So, you know, since it wasn't guaranteed, you know how that stuff goes, man. It's like, you know, I'll just I'll keep my day job. I'll keep riding out with the athletics. So I'm, I'm, I'm staying on board for now. I got to gotta turn down the linebacker spot. You got some good negotiating power. He saw the well-done sticks that Deshaun ate. He's like, man, this guy is tough. Oh, man. He's got to be yeah, able to play. He saw my, saw my gym post. That's what he saw. I mean, I'm in the gym pretty often. Man. He seen see me lifting some heavy weight in there. He's like, hey, man, this, he looks pretty fit. Yeah, he's might got a little speed to him. He might be able to help us out, man. Man, you lose to Baker Mayfield, this is what happens? Holy smokes. <laughs> you lose to Baker Mayfield, you turn to Deshaun Reed. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't think we want to talk too much more about that last game. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the mini buy, a chance to kind of enjoy a, a Sunday away from football. Um, that was that was obviously not pretty last week uh, against the Rams and, and blowing another big lead. But now they they get ready to take on the Patriots, and you know we'll talk about kind of what these last four games mean. Not a ton in terms of this season. I mean, yes, they are not mathematically eliminated i think they have something like a you know four or five percent chance of making the playoffs you know i was going through um you know 538 has a simulator where you can you know plug in all the results and 
If they were to win their final four games, their playoff odds go up to 52%. So even running the table, they would still be about a 50-50 proposition. And going into Sunday against the Patriots, if they lose that game, that would drop them to less than 0.1%, I believe. I mean, so this is the final stand, obviously. I mean, uh, they lose any more, they're, they're finishing below 500. And you know, we know it's not been a great season for Josh McDaniels in his first year. Uh, so the last four games will really be more about evaluating this team for next year. Kind of teaser for the observations this week. I think it's at this point, I mean, it's just kind of best off for him just to lose games. Like nobody wants to really hear that, but like they're not, they're not making the playoffs. And so like, what is, what is finishing eight and nine going to do for you? You know what I mean? Or, or, or seven and 10, like they'd be better off getting a better draft pick and like for Raiders fans I know there's a collective that's kind of been that way since they started two and seven and was kind of frustrated by that winning streak but um, I feel like as a consensus they, they kind of know as a fan base that it's the end of the road now in terms of making the playoffs and so just looking ahead I mean you know if the offense looks great to finish the season that's something they can build off because like this defense is not good it's not going to suddenly start being good like like we know that but the offense could potentially take off with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro being on the cusp of returning. And so if that lose, looks good, like whatever their record is, they're going to miss the playoffs anyway. So what does it really matter? Like they end up with a, with a better pick if they, they win less games. If the offense looks good, they can use that as as kind of motivation going into ne- next season to feel optimistic. But obviously they're not trying to lose. They're not going to try to lose as football. You can't really do that. But uh, the focus shifts for me, at least for how I'm looking at it, just because, I mean, especially since the the way that they looked last week, not just that they lost against that type of team. I mean, do we really think they're going to go on a four-game run and beat the Chiefs and the 49ers and Patriots even who are like in the playoffs right now? Like, I don't think so. So what are we talking about at this point? I have the opposite uh, viewpoint. I think um, normally I don't buy into the whole end of the season, sets the table for the next season. I think that's all a bunch of coaches uh, speak and, and crap. But this year I think you got Waller and Renfro back. So now you have the offense to, to, to intact that you thought, talk, thought was going to be a top five offense uh, going into the year. So now's your chance to show what you can do. Josh McDonald's, you have all these guys. Show what your offense can look like. Derek Carr now should know the system pretty well. It's been a long you know, first 11 games, he shouldn't have this thing down by now. He has weapons he needs. So show what you can do. Show you can be this top offense. And kind of, so for Derek Carr, make the case. I, I have to be back next year because we're going to show you these last four games what we can do. I, I am the guy next year. Darren Waller, same thing. I am the guy who can be a top tight end in this league. I am worth the money. Don't trade me in the offseason. So it's a good time for these guys to make their case. As McDaniels also, you know, kind of reward fans for their patience and say, you know what, I do have some – some knowledge, some some play calling pedigree that I can definitely get this done with these guys that we have here. So for me, it's like win these four games, get fans fired up. Derek Carr comes back, he shows you why he should be back, and so definitely build on uh, what, what you can the next four games off offensively. Either way, they have good options. I mean, if they do win the next four games, like you said, they're, they're going to do it against some pretty tough teams too. The the Patriots are. One of the best defenses in the NFL. They're going to be facing the Niners and then um, end off the season. With the Chiefs, so if they're able to win those games um, and, and look good offensively against those teams, then yeah, I mean, you would want to get Derek Carr back. You want to get the crew back because that's some real substantial evidence that this offense can be the elite ev- uh, offense that you thought it could be. And if you end up losing these games and you lose them in convincing fashion, that kind of tells you uh, what direction you need to go next year, and you'll have the capital to potentially pivot if you if you need to. As well, I mean, isn't the perfect scenario for them to basically play these last four games like 
the Bears have played the whole season or maybe the last, you know, their kind of last 10 games or whatever, once they kind of figured out what Justin Fields should be doing in that offense, you know, to have the offense look good, to have the, you know, those guys all kind of clicking, but um, everybody knows the defense is bad and, and the defense just gets torched and, and they still lose and they, uh, they get that draft capital. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, the elegant because either, and it's not so much about, you know, getting that, that super high draft capital, you know, because of, making a quarterback change, but even if they want to bolster the defense, like, you know, you want a top five player. There's a ton of Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, throw some other guys in the mix there. Like there's some real, at least, you know, projected to be blue chip defensive players in this draft that they could go get that aren't going to be there, you know, if they're picking 14th or 15th or something like that. And so, um, you know, whatever route they want to take in terms of their roster building from here, they just, it seems like it would, it would, be of their best interest to get as good of a pick as possible um, if they're not going to make the playoffs, which I don't think any of us think they're going to do. I think we all agree that the worst case scenario is that they go two and two and four one score games and they're seven and 10 and they have no idea what they're going to do with Derek Carr and they're kind of in this weird position. And then, and uh, I mean, I would be horrible. So I think either yeah. one, it's four, probably going to happen. It's probably four and oh, that, that's oh, the likeliest this, scenario. This, this, four yeah, and oh, and four. Those are what we want. Anything else in the middle is, uh, is crap. Uh, so we agree that the elegant tank is the best solution where they're high scoring, but they, they lose close games. But the worst case scenario is two and two and um, getting a bad pick and not really yes, proving two anything. Two is horrible. That worst case scenario is basically what their whole season has been. It's <laughs> so I mean, that is obviously the most likely thing we've had up and down. I mean, Derek Carr has not really at any point in this season gone on one of his true tears like he's had in the past. I mean, even when they went on that three-game winning streak, it was Josh Jacobs led. And, I mean, you can say that's because they don't have Waller and Renfro. They got Devontae Adams, and, you know, Matt Collins has been solid. And it's hard to imagine. I I think, for me, it's hard to imagine Derek Carr, even with having those weapons back, suddenly, you know, just being going on a tear just because, I mean, I— and we haven't really seen him gone, go on a huge run at, at any point this season yet. And the offensive line, you know, is also something that might be in question now with Alex Bars went down with a knee injury last game and you know, Jermaine Illuminor is a little banged up. He, he might be able to go. He, he returned to practice this week, but they really don't have any other guards on the roster besides uh, Natani Muti, who has like started like four career games and played 20 snaps so far this season. So We'll see how going up against this Patriots defensive front, which is like arguably the best in football right now, like and moving forward, like it might just be a little tricky for them up front. But, you know, bad offensive line or not, they, they can work around that. He, I mean, he showed he could work around that last season. He, he played at a higher level last season with lesser weapons and a, a worse offensive line. So um, while, while Waller and Renfro probably won't be amazing right away, I mean, Waller hasn't played since week five. Renfro hasn't played since week nine. Just their mere presence, I think, is a game changer for the offense just because it opens up everything else. And early on in the season when they were playing, they were like reluctant about the run game and not doing that. But now they're like actually giving the ball to Josh Jacobs and he usually rewards them when they do so. And so I think the offense is more balanced at this point. I'm sure Carr is more comfortable in the offense. And so I wouldn't rule out him, you know, going on a tear in these last four games. I mean, I think the offense is, is in a much better place despite those issues up front. He's, I mean, he's, he's going to be motivated to, you know, I asked him yesterday, does he think about his future? And he said, no, but, you know, I, I, th- I think he, I think he knows that if he stinks it up and the team looks terrible these last four games, that that's going to put him on in a rough spot. So, playoffs or not, I'm sure he wants to ball out these last four games and, and show why he should stick around. 
Who are the young guys Josh McDaniels was talking about when he, he said, you know, he's talking about cutting John Simpson, and he said there was my some guy young Grasso. guys. That my guy, is my guy named Grasso on the practice Ronis squad? Ronis Grasso, like a third-string center? Who's That's the guy. Not good. Not Latane good. Muti, man. He's his third year. Vic, third you got season. any snaps left? Can you, can you play a little guard? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not young. I'm, You're I'm, not I'm young. Not but... I don't play inside. I play on the outside. But uh, I, I think Josh is trying to be nice. The John Simpson saying, yeah, he did a great job for us. And we have some other guys we want to give a chance to. But there's nobody else behind him. That's what yeah, makes it such a really weird no timing. And that, that two guys go down in that last game. And then you cut John Simpson, which I thought was uh, – you must really hate the guy. But um, – yeah, it's, there is no one behind him that kind of deserves a chance to play. So that's why you get guys from the Broncos practice squad. And I wonder, Deshaun, is there any chance that uh, Illuminor moves over to guard, you think? Or, or is that not in the cards? They kicked us out of practice yesterday before we could see the offensive line lineup. So uh, Ooh, not 100% sure. But you would think that's possible. I mean, he's played there. I forget which game that was. But he's played right guard at some point this season with, with Thayer Munford. At, in one of yeah, the rotations. In one of the, the 14, two to be 15 offensive line combinations that they've had. But that, that probably would be their, their better lineup, you would think. And maybe Muti is just a depth guy um, in case somebody else gets injured as guard or if, if Illuminor can't play Sunday. And so, you know, maybe we do see that that be the right side of Illuminor at right guard and then Thayer Mumford at right tackle. And Mumford, Mumford's, you know, uh, he's only started a, full, a couple games from start to finish, but he's looked pretty good when he's been out there and coming in a lot in the jumbo packages. And some fans have wondered why he isn't, you know, starting at this point. And so maybe this is the avenue for him to get that right tackle job and show what he can do out there. I mean, you got to see what you have in him, right? Because, I mean, he's – that's the one, you know, you know, obviously they, I think they hope, you know, Parham is a, is a piece on that offensive line, but Mumford's kind of the other one young guy that maybe is potentially a piece at right tackles. So I think you kind of need to go into the offseason um, having an idea what you have with him. And, I mean, Parham is, is another one I, I'm, I'm still curious about just because – is he going to be your center going forward? Are you, do you say goodbye to Andre James? And if so, I mean, is it, is it smart to get him some more snaps at center the rest of the way? Because I don't know. When I look at him out there on the field, he doesn't look like a guard to me. He he just he looks too small to me uh, for a guard. He's got the the build of a center, and so I just to me that that would seem like it, that's got to be where his future is. I don't I don't really see him as a guy that is going to be able to stick at guard, and you know unless he can. Okay, he just he doesn't seem to have like a very you know thick lower base. Um, just to me, he seems like he he probably would have the quickness better to to handle center than uh, to play guard. Yeah, I think he's been solid overall. But you look at two of their bigger losses to the Cardinals in this past weekend, both kind of hinged on plays where he got pushed right back in the car, and they were huge plays. So definitely not good highlights for him. I, I agree with you. I think he might be better suited for center. You really know what the the brain trust is thinking about. I'm not going to say out loud what the, the plans are, but I, I would think it might make sense to move him to center. And then out there, James, I'm not sure what happens to him. He's got a, I think I wrote, he's got a $1.9 million dead cap hit if that's what they want to, where they want to go with it. But um yeah, that's definitely a good question for the future. Where does Parham line up? He's been pretty good in the run game, but according to True Media, he's fourth amongst offense, all offensive linemen and pressures allowed. So there there have been some issues in pass protection and situations. I just don't think he's, he's big enough. Yeah. To and handle, it, I mean, handle power rushers and stuff like that. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if they make that move this season just because they already had so much movement on, on the offensive line. And, and James, I do think, is one of their best five offensive linemen that's currently constructed. But his contract, I mean, they can get out of it pretty easily after this season. And so maybe that's more of a future thing um, in, in terms of moving him and, and reconfiguring things around moving forward. But I don't think they want to mess with that that left side. It's been pretty good on the left side between – Colton and Parham form has been more so to the right side. I think they view as, as something where they, they may have to do some more tweaking. 
I agree with you guys about wanting to see Mumford play. I think that makes the most sense right now at this point in the season, and, and it'll be a hell of a test against uh, Matthew Judon, who's tied for lead in sacks this season. Um, so yeah, they didn't need to get some game film on him to decide what they're going to do with that position because it's pretty important. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Vic, you've got a story coming out. Probably by the time this podcast is out, it'll be up. Uh, you're looking at the, uh, the the Raiders went into the season. The initial twenty, uh, the initial fifty-three man roster had twenty-seven players that were left over for the uh, from the Gruden regime. Uh, that's down to twenty-three now. Um, you kind of categorized them by guys that are definitely going to stick, that are kind of up in the air, and guys that are that are likely gone. And I mean, this is this is no major like breaking news surprise that you know with a new regime we're seeing this much roster turnover. Um, you know, I mean, 27 guys from the old regime making it on the opening day roster is probably more than made it on uh, when Gruden took over. You know, what do you see when you kind of look at the guys that are that are around from the past regime? I mean, we've got a few you know centerpieces and you know Max Crosby. Uh, you know, you figure guys like Waller and Renfro and Nate Hobbs. Um, but obviously, there's going to be uh, another offseason that, that features plenty more turnover, and you know, wouldn't be surprised if by next year on you know the opening day roster, there's maybe ten guys that are still left. Yeah, there'll be a lot fewer. I think you, I'm sure when these when, when Ziegler and McDaniel's talk to Mark Davis about what went wrong this year, I'm sure they have to address like this roster. You know, wasn't good enough that we. So I think part of that is the guys they inherited from last year. So I think the big question marks are obviously we talked about Derek Carr. What's his future going to be? Josh Jacobs, um, do you give him a long-term contract? Do you give him a franchise tag? Do you test the market? I mean, those are all tough questions, I think. Uh, even Darren Waller. Darren Waller, you mentioned a bunch of guys got new contracts. And most of them are going to be back. But I think Waller's the one guy you may have to question just based on, you know, he hasn't been available the last year and a half, I think. And then and, and I think there is still some trade value. Obviously, the Packers made, made two runs at him. If they make another run at him again in this offseason – uh, do the Raiders really say no, or do they take that money they, they can allocate somewhere else from this contract? So I think those are all 
big question marks. There's also some smaller guys like, you know, Divine Diablo, where does he fit in? Denzel Perriman is a free agent. I'm not sure what his future is going to be like. So uh, definitely a lot of question marks as far as looking at who these guys want back next year. Yeah, and you look at the basically the John Gruden tenured kind of split Reggie McKenzie and Mac Mayock being the GM. From 2018 to 2021, they made, I believe it was 32 picks in that span. Only seven of those guys are st- starters on his current team, and only 12 of them are like, even on the roster anymore. Like, that is, like, generationally bad drafting. And, like, considering they had so many first-round picks in that mix as well, it makes it even worse. Um, and so many of those first-round picks also aren't on, on the team anymore. And so it, it's it's difficult to, you know, you can you can try to account for that through free agency moves, and, and they have. They spent a lot of money this offseason, but – the core of your rosters is just going to be lacking naturally when you have that many draft misses in such a condensed amount of time. And that's something that's going to take, you know, a year or two at least to start to make up for through improved draft. And this class, you know, seems like they've had a couple of hits in terms of guys they added to the team. You know, Dylan Parham, Thayer Munford probably jumping out the most. But, you know, going into next year, they have a ton of draft picks, um, I think almost like 10, 10 or more draft picks. Um, and, and so they have to course correct. And that's something that, I mean, they inherited it. You know, it doesn't completely absolve them of some of the mistakes that they made since then. Like, you know, given Chandler Jones, that that amount of money seems to to be a mistake, even though he started to put together here in the last few weeks and not addressing, you know, the offensive line depth and the, pretty much the entire defense um, is, is an issue this year. So they still have some blame to take, but it's clearly that they, they to some degree, they're having to deal with, you know, mistakes made by the, the previous regime. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the 19 and the 20 drafts, those are the two that should have set up this team. Those are the two where they added in, uh, added a bunch of extra early picks, you know, trading Khalil Mack, trading Amari Cooper. They had six picks that were in the top 40 of those two drafts. Of those six, Josh Jacobs is the only hit. Cleveland Furl is still on the roster, but obviously a, a major bust as a number four pick. Jonathan Abram, you know, obviously cut, cut again by the Packers. Now he's with the Seahawks. You know, we know what happened with the 2020 uh, first round picks and Ruggs and Arnett both out of the league. Uh, Trayvon Mullen was the other one from 19, was the number 40 pick early in the second round. They trade him away and, and the Cardinals finally played him extensively. The first time all season that he's played more than half of the snaps, played 42 snaps on Monday against the Patriots. And a day later, they cut him. So it's it's like at the time when Khalil Mack was traded, I think we placed a lot of blame on that for the fact that Reggie McKenzie's draft, especially his second rounders, had failed so much that they hadn't built up enough other talented players around the roster. But like those guys that we were complaining about are, were guys like Jihad Ward, Mario Edwards, who have at least gone on and like had some success elsewhere. I mean, these are guys that that are, are nobodies in the league. I mean, you look at the, some of the third rounders, you know, Tanner Muse, Lynn Bowden, um, Brian Edwards. Uh, they trade him to the Falcons. He gets cut there this year. He he had like one or two catches all season for them. Um, it's uh, it, it's just amazing how they drafted just so many guys that you know not only did nothing for them, but even when they've gone elsewhere, they, they're just basically not really borderline NFL players. Yeah, they've had some really horrible draft classes over the years, and that's uh, this 2021 might be one of the worst ever. I was just looking at, uh, I've forgotten about 2017, looking back at Reggie's uh, era, and uh, that draft class, I'm re- I'll read off to you, Gary and Conley, Obi Malafanwu, Eddie Vanderdose, oh, David God. Sharp, Markel Lee, Shalom Luani, Jalen Ware, and Elijah Hood. Wow, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really, I mean, 
no wonder this team, uh, I mean, and I guess, you know, if you are Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, those are valid excuses. Like this, these draft classes that you that came in before you were so bad. I mean, and I wonder if that's a big enough scapegoat to kind of blame the season. I usually you want you know, something to blame for a disappointing season. And I know Patrick Graham is the obvious candidate and Derek Carr is the other. But I wonder if these, these, these draft classes, especially in 2020, are bad enough. We like tell Mark Davis, hey, look what, look what, look what we inherited. We can't. You can't win with this kind of setup. So I wonder. Isn't the retort or... though that the 2021 team had to deal with a terrible 2020 class, and they made the playoffs? Yeah, no, but they were they were lucky though. They were lucky. They, <laughs> they were, were lucky. A point, a, a point differential, what minus 60. So uh, I'm sure that's the yeah, argument. I think the the counter argument, I guess, to that is the team was never really that good. Like we can, I mean, like they made the playoffs. It, it was it was nice, but they had six walk off wins. Like that doesn't really translate. Like it, it never really translates. And we see this this year, they've lost like a billion one score games because that shit is a lot of it. You know, you have to win those games, but a lot of it is kind of just like Hunter Renfro fumbles in overtime against the Cardinals. Like, when does he ever fumble? You know, things like that. Or like these just random. The, the, the playing four? Yeah. Well, yeah. But like <laughs> in his career, like he, he doesn't really make those kind of mistakes. But like, you know, it's just that stuff usually doesn't translate from year to year. And so, like, those issues, like the offensive line sucked last year. The defense sucked last year. They just overcame like these issues that still were issues, you know. And it's it's kind of hard to do that on a yearly basis if you don't have some semblance of improvement. Now they did have an opportunity to improve in some of those areas. Like they had a bunch of cap space. They had a bunch of picks. They decided to go all in on offense, kind of, because they didn't address the offensive line really that much. That ended up kind of working out. The offensive line is solid, but they pretty much just left the defense alone outside of adding Chandler Jones, and like the defense has continued to suck. Wow, you know, I mean, it's like that's. Kind of on them, you know. I mean, the, the roster was never going to be like stacked, you know, off of one off season. Like that was, it probably wasn't a realistic path to them pulling that off in, in their first year on the job. But they inherited a lot of holes, but they also left some still open through some miscues that they made. And so it's, it's maybe it's 80, 80 20, like 80% old regime for the roster, 20% them. But they definitely, you know, you can't completely absolve them of it. Um, and so I think that's kind of why fans don't really want to hear that 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 excuse too much. Well, and the other thing is the way you're supposed to make up for those roster deficiencies is with a coaching staff that you hired because they're so great at coming up with these hyper-specific game plans every week and being able to adjust to their opponent and, and be able to keep their opponent off off track. And I mean, that was that was the hype around hiring McDaniels, right? And, and hiring Patrick Graham, you know, he's a multiple defense that is going to be specific to every... I mean, that was, that was the hype, was that this coaching staff was supposed to be able to get the most out of all these players by having these great schemes. And that's where if, you know... Yeah, we get it that the roster isn't what it needs to be, but um, that's why like, I, I got to put it at least as much blame on the coaching staff because uh, last year's staff found a way. The one area where they did make a difference was the offensive line. You know, they, they haven't spent a ton on offensive line and they were able to put together a unit that I don't buy into all these metrics, but they have them ranked like number seven. And they, they probably haven't played like a top 10 line, but they, they played much better than expected. So I guess they get credit for, for that at least. And it gives some hope that, you know, maybe there is some, some advantage that the, the coaching staff can create. Yep. I have to do a little bit more than that though. You know, it's a good start, but yeah, I think the most, most damning element of all has just been how like there's been just really no progress with the defense. Like the defense, defensive talent isn't good, but we've seen like 
let's take Patrick Graham's last stop, the Giants, for example. Like, is the Giants' defensive talent really that much better than the Raiders? And, like, they have a much more competent defense, I would say, and better in situational, as situational football. Like, that's the thing of, like, even if you give a bunch of yards, like, you at least have to, like, be good on third down or be good in the red zone or be good in goal line situations. And, like, they are as terrible at all of that stuff. Don't they have some run of, like, that? when's the last time they did not allow a touchdown and goal to go? I mean, it... Oh, they have, they, they have not... Not if not stop the goal to go. They, yeah, right? yeah, every hundred percent success rate for teams once they get a, a goal to go situation, and we're in the last four games of the season. So um, they've just been like abysmal in at situation. And I, I feel like that's usually where coaches can make a difference is situational football. Even if you have not great talent, and we haven't seen that at all, really. I guess you compare this defense to last year's, and I guess you know unintentionally they kind of downgraded I, I imagine Hayward's kind of been a step down to Yasin I think and Ngakwe's and kind of been it was going to step down now to Chandler Jones so those two spots you kind of downgraded not on purpose but just kind of the way it happened and haven't really had any impact guys come in the defensive tackles have been a little better of late Billings has been playing better but uh, clearly none of the moves they made this offseason have really um, worked out that well on, on defense yeah the only one is really like Duran, I mean, Rocky Sin has played. I, w- I wouldn't say he's a downgrade from Casey Hayward. I, I say they're about, probably about even. I think, I think it's close. Uh, uh, but uh, Duran Harmon, I guess. But like, he makes plays. But like, if you look at the play by play numbers, like, they're not really. It's not Jonathan Abram, but like, hey, I, hey, it's upgrade from Jonathan Abram. So I guess that's one other upgrade for them on on defense. But um, yeah, it's just. But Trayvon Merrick is downgraded. Yeah, from yeah, that's, that's, Trayvon Merrick. That's fair. Yeah, there's just not a ton of. Like Ted said, outside of the offensive line, and by proxy of that, probably Josh Jacobs. Like we haven't really seen them improve, like players that were already on the roster or just the roster as a whole yet. And that, you know, it's only been one year, but it's not the most inspiring start for fans. Avert was a big swing and miss too when he did play. He looked pretty yeah, bad. and they gave him like five million. Yeah, I mean, they got so much cap space that it doesn't really matter. It's like you know, normally you you groan about wasting cap space, but I mean, that's they're going to roll over a ton of cap space to next year. So, I mean, that's that's the one positive to, to look at. They will go into the offseason with uh, flexibility to to make some upgrades and see what they can do. I mean, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have the draft capital. They'll have the free agency capital. But yeah, it's going to be a big offseason for them to uh, to get it turned around. But anybody uh, excited for McDaniels, Belichick? I think it's kind of, you know, the, the way this season's gone, it's, there, there's not really any luster. I mean, you know, we, we had uh, this game was originally a Sunday night football game, I guess, because of that matchup. But um, it's hard to get hyped up over coaching matchups. Um, and certainly the the way the Raiders have played, uh, played them out of that Sunday night slot. And I, I think deservedly so. Yeah, I, I couldn't really care less. I mean, after, for one, they already like when 2009, the first year with the Broncos, Daniels already went against Belichick and beat him then. So it's not like it's not even like it's always their first time. And he beat him in the preseason. Like, he dominates uh, Belichick. Yeah, uh, uh, like nobody, nobody cares about this. And the Raiders are out of the playoff hunt. They're, they're in it, but they're out of it. It's like, eh, who cares? Like Patriot way and all that is kind of that. That storyline is is going away. I mean, so far at least, it's just been another example of a team trying to hire people from the Patriots tree and it not working out. So I don't know, maybe it's an element of why Belichick's uh, disciples don't have better records as head coaches or something like that. But outside of that, it's just really not much uh, intrigue in this one. 
McDaniels is taking a lot of hits this year, and I would think he can now coach a Matt Patricia would be another one, I think, this weekend. So he can't lose to Matt Patricia, the guy, a defensive coordinator who oh, he plays can. So I think that would be another I'm another not saying one. they can't do anything anymore. I know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm retracting my statements. Yeah, I'm, I'm being uh, facetious. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a sexy matchup. But, uh, yeah, I should. I mean, McDaniels can play spoiler against his old team, and they can definitely hurt the pitchers' playoff chances. And, again, get this offense – back to where everyone thought it should be and show that they have some some juice for next season. So, and Patriots are a good defense, so I think it's a good challenge. So that's that's why I'll, I'll be watching. It's a great time for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro to come back for sure because I, I feel like if the offense was just Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, I, I think Bill Belichick would find a way to take those elements away and um, really make this offense fight left-handed. And now they have different options to go to. So, yeah, it's not a, se- a sexy matchup, but I'm, I'm really interested to see what they can do with these guys back in the fold. All right. Let's make some predictions. Vic, are you uh, are, are you sticking? So now, I mean, I don't think we need to, to we don't we don't need to keep you to your your promise to pick against the Raiders the rest of the way, because, um, I mean, you, you were doing that facetiously against the Rams and and you ended up being correct. I was finally right though, so I can't. I, I can't. Uh, I can't check my. But, my but we're ways. but we're we're removing that burden from you. You are allowed to pick based on what your heart and your head actually Ooh, say. My so heart and my you, head. You, you, we are now we are granting you permission again to pick the Raiders to win if that's where you feel what you feel like is going to happen. What a what a privilege! What an honor! You get to pick the Raiders to win. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's a lethal combination when my head and my heart can kind of join forces. That's uh, that's dangerous. But uh, I'm picking the Patriots. I think. Um, I think Mac Jones. It's, it's, it's weird to say, but I think Mac Jones will have a good time with the Raiders' defense. So I think um, I'm not sure they'll be able to give him too much pressure on him. I think they have enough options receiving and running the ball where I think the Raiders won't be able to stop him. And I think uh, I'm going 27-24 Patriots. It was also my score that I was thinking in favor of the Patriots, 27-24. Yeah, the same. Just, you, you, you can. Yeah, you we, can don't, we don't have to be. We don't have to be different. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it keep it in line. Yeah, I think the the offense uh, has a tough matchup um, in their first game, trying to figure out how all these pieces fit together. I mean, the Patriots defense, as it has been for like most of the last twenty years, like is elite again. Um, I mean, the pass rush, the run defense, their secondary full of like six guys with the last name Jones. Um, it's going to be hard to keep track of, but they've been playing well. They have these big 260-pound linebackers from like 1980 to kill the run games. Like Bill Belichick, I mean, if anybody – I doubt there's anybody alive that knows Josh McDaniels' offense better than he does. Um, and so, yes, yeah, I think they still, just because of sheer talent, you know, able to put up 24 points, um, but it ends up not being enough because their defense still stinks and um, – Matt Patricia dials them up for for twenty seven points. Another another notch on the the glorious twenty twenty two Raiders defense is built. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this defensive line is going to be. This is a really tough time to lose Alex Bars, especially. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what we expected this. to say at the beginning of the season. <laughs> oh my season. I don't mean to Alex laugh at his injury. I don't mean loss. to laugh at his injury, but Jesus Christ, Alex Bars. I mean, he was I'm pretty not, good. I'm, I'm he was pretty good. The idea of a guy who was cut from the initial 53-bad roster, and here we are in, in week 14 or whatever it is, week 15, saying it's a, it's a bad time to lose Alex Bars. Uh, it says a lot about this Raiders season. They might be starting a practice squad guy from the, the Broncos in his place. So the guy knows, what's going to happen with the line? 
I'm just saying that because you lose a, a major part of your offensive line and you're going against possibly the best four-man rush that Bill Belichick has ever had. If Christian Barmar comes back and he, he you know, he is uh, his clock from return from IR started yesterday, I believe. So he might, he might be back in this game. So you, you have to go against Josh Uche, who has 10 sacks in the last five games. Matthew Adam Udon, who you know has 14 and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise rushing, could rush yeah, from the inside. Udon, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, he, he has six and a half sacks. And then you have Barmore, who you know is up there in top 10 in uh, win rate um, last season in his rookie season. So that, that's a really tough defensive line to go against. And like you said, it's going to take a little while for these offensive uh, these pieces to kind of figure out each other. I think the defense will surprise against Mac Jones. I don't know why I just don't have a lot of faith that Mac Jones will light this defense up. I'm not saying the defense is going to shut him down. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to score 30 point, uh, 30 points on his defense. I just have a tough time seeing this Patriots offense scoring a ton of points. Um, so I'll, I'll say 24, 21 Patriots. I mean, you said the same thing about Baker Mayfield. I mean, I did too. Uh, hey, Baker Mayfield to get a 98-yard drive in the ass. So Mac McDonald's may be able to score a few touchdowns against him. We need to get Ted some noodles for uh, for lunch. He's thinking about some uh, some Udon noodles. I remember back in the in the preseason when they asked uh, McDaniels about uh, Mac Jones? Man, his eyes lit up like he was like, ah, that guy's incredible. He's such a. It was a it was a strange reaction to Mac Jones, and I wonder maybe. Uh, now nah, I wonder if Mac Jones is better than I think he is. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, Jimmy, I'm not gonna pick the Raiders. So go Plus, ahead. I don't, I don't want to shit on Mac Jones too bad. I mean, fucking Matt Patricia's calling plays. My goodness, what is like? When is what has he ever done to deserve the right to ruin a young quarterback like that? That that, that is just an abysmal setup. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this Mac Jones version under Matt Patricia is pretty bad. I mean, he's like swear. You know, who, who would have thought? Mac Jones would be swearing at Matt Patricia calling plays, you know, last season. But yeah, Patricia's pretty terrible. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with tradition. Tradition Ooh, lately has, has said that when you guys pick the Raiders to lose, um, I, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the Raiders' way. They zig when you think they're going to zag. So uh, I'll go Raiders 27, Patriots 20. A little more enthusiasm, like, hey, I believe in Derek Carr. Derek Carr's going to turn it around. I don't think either of those guys are – I don't think Waller's going to come out and go five catches, and, you know, 115 yards and a touchdown uh, first game back. But um, that should be a boost to this offense. And, um, I mean, you know, if we're finally going to see, you know, Carr, Jacobs, Waller, Renfro. Sell it. I mean, that sell is, that pick. Raiders Sell all it, way. baby. 27-20 Raiders, and um, they get to uh, – to call themselves still alive in the playoff race. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, we're not doing that anymore. Their <laughs> playoff Mathematically. They're mathematically, they're dead baby. in the playoff race. I think Austin Mott gave them like a 1.7% chance or some shit like that. Like, 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 no, I don't, even want to, I don't even want to put that word in my copy anymore for the rest of the season. Like, it's, We're done. Little Jim Mora playoffs. All right, y'all. We will be back on Sunday to talk about the Raiders taking on the New England Patriots. See how they do on Sunday and uh, enjoy that one. Adios. Hey, Joe. Later. Matthew Udon, who you know has 14 and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise rushing, could rush yeah, from the inside. Udon, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>